Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Welcome back to another episode of Sky Women Podcast. I am so thrilled that you are here today. I'm so excited that you keep showing up. I have a special guest with us today. And if you have listened to episode four and five of Sky Women, you are familiar with Tammy, where we shared her story and she then turned the tables and interviewed me. So you can get to know us a little bit more if you want to go back and listen to episode four and five. But as a reminder, Tammy Axelson is a licensed social worker. She has her own business in East Texas. She is a child custody evaluator, adoption evaluator, parenting facilitator, an expert consultant. So she is helping families as they go through difficult, high conflict uh, disputes whenever they're going to court and working through custody issues. And I know I am so grateful for her insight over the years. As many of you may know that I went through a divorce in my intern year of residency and I did a lot of things wrong and I had a lot of custody battles along the way for my now 17-year-old son. And Tammy has always been a shoulder to lean on. She's kind of wealth of knowledge. And unfortunately, many of us go through divorce. And so if we can help to lighten your load and give you some insight into how to handle um, custody arrangement, even if you have joint custody with a jerk. (laughs) We are so thrilled to discuss this today. So welcome back, Tammy. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Well, I know we we chatted a lot beforehand. Let's talk about some of the common mistakes. Let's explain your role first. A family is going through a custody dispute. So how do you fit into this? Well, and there's a lot of different things I can do. I would say primarily what I do is when there's a disagreement about custody, and usually there's a lot of allegations, you know, against each other. We ref- I call them he said, she said cases. So you're going to court and it's all about what they're saying about each other, which is can be really difficult for judges, you know, to know what's going on. And it's really hard to know what's best for kids because you might have two good parents who made two bad decisions or have some problems, but what's really good for kids. So for me, what my primary role is, is that the court will order me to evaluate both sides, meet with kids, and then I make recommendations, uh, what would be best for the kids. So that's kind of what I do. But I also do a lot of just kind of behind the scenes, working with people from the moment, you know, they start a court case where I help them, their attorney make plans. I coach people and how to make good decisions during the divorce and their custody stuff. And uh, parenting facilitation is really one of my favorite things is I get to work with both the parents and I educate them on how to co-parent. So how do we learn to talk to and work with someone that we don't want to be married to anymore, which sometimes is really, really tough. So, but I love those, especially when we have good outcomes because people will learn how to stay out of court and how to work through their problems together, which is my goal. So I love that. Right, right. Well, and I love your heart for, for children And I'll just share with everybody, one of the first ways that I got to know you is your nonprofit organization that you started in your hometown. Will you tell everybody a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. So we have it. We call well, it's the Rainbow Room, but it's basically 
we wanted to have a lot of stuff to help kids involved with CPS. So CPS workers had difficulty finding resources for families. And so we kind of set up a a room that was like a shop where there's clothes and baby items. And we just raised money to be able to help those families and those kids. So that's been for a long time. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah. All right. So you brought it up. Like, how do how do we take care of ourselves whenever we are so angry and so hurt and have a lot of sadness and probably provoked emotions when we're going through a divorce, much less custody battle? Like, how do we take care of ourselves and how do we how do we remove the emotions and really do what's best for our children when we really would rather smother the other person? <laughs> Wow, that's a big question. How much time do I have? Well, no, basically what what I, you know, what I want to say first is that what I'm I'm gonna talk to moms, but anyone can obviously take from this, is that we need to remember when we get divorced, when we file for divorce, this is like the most painful, emotional, difficult process that I think anyone can really go to go through. I mean, I would say it's very similar almost to like a death. I mean, even if you know your life might be better once you get divorced, the pain doesn't go away. It's a really tough thing. And I, I would encourage anyone to recognize that having a really good friend, having someone to talk to or going to a counselor is the best thing. Like don't put that face on that you're going to be fine. And that you can get through this on your own because we're not always fine. And I really think the best thing to do is to say, we all need help because that is a really sad and difficult process. Okay. Right. That's my first thing is, you know, don't pretend like you're fine on the outside. It's okay to tell people that you're not. Right. Okay. Right. Time. It takes time. So especially for women, I mean, divorce means so much. Your whole life has changed. Your life can be completely turned upside down. Everything from where you live, your job, your finances, having help. I mean, there's just so many aspects that I can't even imagine. And I see it every day, what it would feel like to have to go through that. And I don't necessarily have personal experience, but I work with people every day that go through that. So it's just really, really, really tough. And I give yourself grace. It's okay to cry. It's okay to lay in bed and cry. Not in front of your kids. <laughs> That's another story. But it's okay to cry in front of your kids. I don't mean that. But I just mean that it's okay to be really, really sad. And, and I think sometimes we forget that it's okay to be that way. And it's okay to admit to people that you are. So, Right, right. And I think that you hit on a really important point is getting the help that you need. Because you, you're not supposed to do it all alone. You know, it takes a village. <laughs> takes a team. I mean, I needed new help with childcare. I needed legal advice. I needed counseling. I needed a psychiatrist to get on meds so that I could make it put one foot in front of the other and make it through the day in residency. I mean, I needed a lot of help going through a divorce. And even though my life was better for it, I was, I grieved the family that I thought I would have. Yeah. 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 Of course, yeah. you, you grieve no matter what. And I'll say this, that a lot of people don't recognize that. I mean, when we look at research, it's estimated that most adults and children can, it takes about a year to two years to readjust your life after a divorce. And that doesn't even mean like full healing from a divorce. That stuff takes a long time. But I mean, where you actually wake up and you feel like I can do this and it feels normal. It can take a year to two years. That's a long time. Like, 
sometimes people will think they get divorced and they think within, you know, a month that life goes to go back to normal, but it's not that way. It doesn't happen that way, especially not for kids. Kids, it takes a long time to adjust. But on the other side, I would love to share, we had talked about this, is kind of sharing some of my tips for parents. Um, this is going to be more on the custody side. Um, mm-hmm. I know you have some other people come and you talked about the feelings of divorce and going through that, and that's tough. But a lot of parents make mistakes and it's not intentional. And some of those can be really harmful to your kids. And it's hard because we don't plan for divorce when we have our kids. We're not educated. We don't read what we need to do. A lot of times divorce happens in the last minute and we're not ready. And we're so emotionally exhausted. And there's so many other factors going on in your life that trying to sit down and go, now, how do I handle this stuff with my kids? Is really sometimes the last thing parents are thinking about at that moment, unfortunately. Mm, that's a good point. Yes, it is. And, you know, just remember that even when you make mistakes, those can all be kids. I mean, all of us parents make mistakes. So it's things that can change. It's not like you're going to do damage to your kids forever. But I would encourage you, if you're listening to this or if you're in the middle of it, is to really work on making positive changes for your kids. So I was just going to kind of share maybe just some, you know, just little things that I see that people, you know, make big mistakes on or I hear from kids. So I interview kids a lot and hear what kids tell me. Yeah. That's the most important thing. There's a, there's a book. Actually, I'm going to grab it really quick. It's a real emotional book, but it's called Dear Judge. And there was a judge that started realizing that all these kids are writing letters now. Legally, you know, a judge can't read letters from children regarding cases. But what happened was, is there were different professionals that all put these letters together, kids that wrote about their parents' custody and divorces, and they published them in a book. And some of them are gut-wrenching. And it's just really hard to hear what kids have to say about how they feel. So I love handing it out to people just so they can see what kids have to say about it. So you want me to jump in and give you a couple? Yeah, yeah, let's hear it. Yeah. So, so one of the things that when I was talking about emotions, I made that comment, don't cry in front of your kids. I'm not saying it's not appropriate to express emotions. I mean, we all can show that we're sad and kids, it's good for kids to see parents um, have resolution to conflict and show emotions, fear and sadness. However, when it comes to divorce, you know, one of the things when I say emotions is that let's say, let me give you a scenario, newly separated. Now we're having to come up with a schedule. And as a mom, you might have a young child that you haven't really been away from a lot. And so I see these parents who are saying, okay, you're going to go to daddy's for the weekend. And mom just starts crying, right? Because it's hard. I'm not going to say it's not hard to let your kids go. But what parents forget is think about how it would feel as a child. So your parents are separated. You know, they both love you. And mommy's crying for you when you leave because you're going to daddy's. What do you think a child's feeling at that moment? You're putting this emotional burden on them. They're feeling sad for mommy. And they're feeling guilty for going to daddy's. They're feeling, exactly. And so what a lot of kids I that tell me, which really sad is they say, I love being with my dad, but I worry about my mom because she's so sad when I'm not there. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is, is you've got kids feeling like they need to take care of their mom. 
and the, and I say mom, I'm just giving an example. It can be dad too, but they feel like they've got to provide you emotional comfort. So what I want to encourage you is it's okay to express some emotion, but what you want to make sure in your divorce and in that pendency of adjusting everything with your kid is make sure you emotionally protect your child to let them know that you're going to be okay and they're going to be okay. And when you need to have those breakdowns, do it away from them. Get to your little child in daddy's car, say, have fun, enjoy your time, put that smile on if it's fake and go back in and crash in your bed and cry. But let them know that it's okay to go and have fun with dad and that you're going to be fine, if that makes sense. And so I just see a lot of parents who do that because they're so emotional in that moment. They just have difficulty, um, you know, handling their emotions, which is, I understand that, but they don't understand how it makes the kid feel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like another example of that is I have a lot of parents that we get to call their kids. So, you know, their child's at daddy's house for a week or however long and mom gets to call them. Well, mommy's crying. I miss you so much. I can't wait till you get home. So those phrases are so sweet. You know, I say those phrases to my kids, but what happens in that situation is then kids feel like, well, I'm worried. Mommy misses me. And then I'm having fun here, but maybe I should want to go home earlier because I'm worried about mommy. So even just the, I miss you, can't wait Mm -hmm. to see you, can really be tough for kids. Mm -hmm. So what I tell parents is, is that you just need to always say, go have fun. I'm going to be great. I'm going to get lots of stuff done. I look forward to when you come home. Yeah. Right. And give your kids permission to go have fun with their other parent and not take on your emotional burden. So that's just one of the things I encourage parents to do. Right. The great tips. And I think also to that point, not giving them your emotional burden, also not giving them your internal monologue about the other parents, right? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) That's a whole nother topic. So one of the things that's really hard for parents is to not badmouth the other parent in front of kids. You can even, parents are so good about doing it, even just in a passive aggressive manner. So slight, you can barely tell. I've had just the, I'm trying to give a, like a good example of child comes back and says, you know, well, mom, dad wants me to, I'm trying to, no, that's not a good example. I'm just, I'm trying to think of a, a scenario I've had recently, but parents who will, there's obviously ones who are so angry that they're mad. And so they obviously talk bad, you know, he left us, she left us, she's doing this, mom doesn't want you today, all that stuff. So that's just a very blatant bad mouthing. And that's horrible for kids. But even that passive aggressive, you mean your dad's not going to let you spend extra night with me? So that's kind of an example of a parent. That doesn't really sound like bad mouthing, but that mom is asking that child, well, why wouldn't he let you spend another night with me? I was trying to see if he would let you, but he won't. And so now we have a child that's like, oh gosh, dad's not letting me and mom's hurt by that. So then they start to feel more torn between their parents. What you should always remember And this is something that we all know, but we forget. Your children are 50% you and 50% of the other parent, most children, whether you're, even if it's not genetic, okay, they're like you, they love you and all that stuff. So when you badmouth someone, if you badmouth daddy and that child is part of daddy and half of daddy, sometimes kids take that inside internally and realize that, you know, oh my goodness, you know, mom, is saying, and they, they feel like they're saying bad things about them too. They also start to feel guilty because if daddy's so mean to mommy and mommy's so mad, 
but I love my daddy. Where does that struggle come? There's just a lot. I encourage parents to really reread because there's a lot of things that happen with kids. that can put a lot of emotional burden on them during Mm -hmm. it. We don't want to do, right? No, we don't want to do. And as we talk about this, I'm just thinking about all the mistakes that I made along the way. Because I never explicitly badmouthed this dad, but I know that my whole body and face turned inside out when anybody wanted to talk about him in those early years. And uh, oh, yeah. I know that I know that that was not as insignificant as I thought it was. But you yeah. know, when, it, when the neighbor like visibly notices, it's like, it's so, it's you know, so your kids picking up on that. Yeah, you know, and it's sometimes it's so unintentional. It's just because we're struggling with so much. It's hard for us to keep that in there. But like, I've had parents say, I'm so sorry. You have to go to dad's for a week. Well, just saying, I'm so sorry. You have to go. It's like, it's a bad thing. Like they're not, you know, I hate the word visits. Okay. Mm-hmm. I hate when we talk about visitation schedules and possession schedule. Possession makes me sound, kids sound like they're an object. And visitation, so like if, you know, we have a normal traditional, like kids with mom goes to dad on weekends. Well, your dad, you're going to go visit your dad this weekend. We're not visiting him. He's your dad. And you live there. You just don't live there as many nights as you live here, but it's your home too. Like kids, we want them to feel like they're two homes. They're not have one home and one home that they visit, you know? And so I get... Even just the wording, like I get frustrated sometimes of how we say those things. But I also would say this, never, ever make your kid be a spy for you. And so a lot of times parents will ask kids questions like, well, what did daddy do? Well, where'd y'all go? Well, who was there? And they try to get information. And it's hard because, you know, we're, for me, I would have a really hard time not knowing what my kid's doing and who's there. And that's the hard part about divorce is that we have to lose a lot of control. You do. And you have to be okay with, I mean, letting your child go. I mean, most circumstances is that parents, if they're safe, but you don't want to like use them to get information especially if you're in a court case. Cause I know a lot of kids will come back and go, Oh mom, I have to tell you this and this and this and this. And they're asking them all these questions. Well, then they kind of feel like they're the spy for mom and dad. That's a horrible thing to put kids in the middle of. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we need to schedule therapy now for these poor children. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, kids do most kids, most kids in divorces do better than we imagine they will. They, they, kids are just really resilient and they learn to work through just like we work through all that stuff. And a lot of parents make mistakes and the kids do. Okay. I just, I see a lot of the bad, the worst of the worst. So I see all that a lot. Right. But for me as a parent and like for you as a parent, like we just, we always want to do the best for our kids, but sometimes we don't have that advice in that moment. That's why I would say, seek it out, seek out advice. You know, therapists sometimes can help you. How do I talk to my kids? You know, what do I do when my kids tell me, I don't want to go to daddy's. I want to stay with you and they're crying. How can I handle that situation? Always, always, always ask attorneys for legal advice before you make decisions, you know, because sometimes we think we're making a good decision and it comes back not to be so good. But educate yourself. What what can I do? I mean, there's so many books out there. I have a book I always give, you know, it's about, you know, divorce for boys and girls. And it's really for the older ages, maybe more like eight to 13. And it's, how do you explain to them some of the parts they can read? What do you talk to them about? But those are just 
you know, some little things I could probably go on and on for hours. <laughs> well, I think it's very insightful because I mean, you're right. You do get called, you get called into when there's high conflict. And so you do see the worst of the mm-hmm. worst a lot of times. And it's not always that contentious, right? But even so, there are usually high emotions and you're trying to figure out how to function in a new family dynamic, right? When there is usually some level of hurt and sadness there. And you're not only trying to navigate your own feelings and your emotions and your new relationship with your partner separated, but then how do you co-parent and take care of the emotions of your little children who are very literal at the time? Like my six-year-old is at the height of everything being very like, have you read the books, Amelia Bedelia? (laughs) She's very literal about everything. That is my six-year-old right now. And so I'm just thinking about this in terms of my own divorce and then, you know, recovery and, and remarrying, which I hate that term too, because I didn't marry the same person, right? (laughs) I married again, (laughs) but you know, Jackson was six whenever Eric and I met, he was eight or just turning eight whenever we married, you know, so very still in a very formative phase. And even though he had no recollection of his dad and I together, he still was like, who's this man? And why is he hugging my mommy like that? you know, (laughs) and daddy doesn't like him. And so therefore I don't like him. And, you know, even though I was in counseling, I, Jackson was in counseling, you know, like we had a lot of support. There was still just so unfamiliar and such high emotions. And I was sued for custody months, just a few months after we got married, you know, there was just so many tough things about that time. That I, and I don't know that I really paid enough attention to his emotions, even though I had him in counseling. I think I was so wrapped up in my own hurt. And that's the hard part is, is that we are, and there is a lot of hurt. So I would tell you, take care of yourself and work through that, but also make sure you're stopping occasionally and looking at your kid in the eyes, watching their behavior and making yeah. sure that, that they're doing okay as well. The thing about with kids is that, you know, I think that the absolute, this is not, and I say this is not something that every parent can do in some situations they shouldn't do, but sometimes what the kids need to see so bad is that mom and dad, you guys can almost hate each other, but if y'all can stand next to each other and be civil in front of a child, they need to see that, that, that you guys are both okay. We have a lot of parents that when they, you know, when they're, you're bringing the kid home to go to the other parent's house and they pull up to the driveway and they just go, okay, go, you know, yeah. cause they don't want to walk to the door. And, and I, I, I agree, avoid a fight. I mean, fighting's worse than anything, but sometimes if a child can just see mom or dad knock on the door and say, how are you guys doing today? And walk your child to the front door and just communicate, you know, there's some mm-hmm. parents that as time goes on, they can do birthday parties where they both get to come. And the hardest part I tell parents all the time is you just have to swallow everything that you feel about that person. And every time you do something, you look in the eyes of your child who you love to death and you say, I'm going to do this for you. There's nobody else you're doing it for except your child. (laughs) And, you know, we focus on, we use the phrase best interest of our, for kids all the time. But if you always, I, I tell clients when I'm coaching them, Every time you're about to say something or do something, there's two things I want you to think. 
how is this going to play out in court when everyone can see me to hear what you say? Okay. But number two, if you look at it, what's really best for your kid at this moment? Is it best for you to have a huge fight over something? Or is it best for you to say, I'm not going to fight over this, even though I want to. And I jokingly tell you, I have been to court with parents who fought over their child's baby tooth. Okay. Wow. Because they both want to keep it. Not It was a weird situation, but I mean, they fought about everything. And how does that talk feel? And so sometimes we just need to say, I know this is what I want, but it's not worth the fight because the fighting is what damages our kids. The more you fight, even if it's not in their presence, what happens? The more you fight, the more you hate each other. The more you hate each other, the less likely you are to be able to communicate in a healthy and respectful manner. And the less you can be able to communicate, the more damage you do to your kids because you're not working as a team as parents. And so it's a cycle. So I will tell you the most important thing you can do emotionally when you get divorced is work through your own emotions and try and separate that from how you deal with that person in front of your kids. Easier. Good points. Easier said than done, but really good points. I have marveled at some friends who have been able to have these seemingly amicable divorces. Now there's all kinds of emotions behind it. And she may mumble under her breath and tell him how she really feels when the kids are out of sight, but they still have family dinner every week. And I'm like, how? Wow. I mean, my, my divorce was no, nowhere near that. Very painful, very estranged, essentially zero communication for years on end. But there was a lot of mental health issues there on the other side that made it very challenging to have any productive conversation or co-parenting. Right. And I want you to say that those some people that can do that, but it's not for everybody. And sometimes it's really not even a good idea. Like you have to be in the right frame of mind and you have to have the right um, co-parent to do that with. I mean, for you, that was something that was even really possible. But what you can do when you don't have that ability is you can still encourage your child to love that parent. Parents, if they're not perfect, it's okay. And you can hate them, but you can tell them, say things like, you know, you look just like your dad. You have his beautiful eyes. You are this, you are that. Encourage them that they still have parts of that person and it's okay to still love them. You know, you know what I tell parents all the time? Let your child have a picture of their other parent in their bedroom. I mean, I know it sounds so crazy, but I know so many parents that when they get divorced, they like, Every marriage picture, every family picture is taken down. Yeah. And I agree. I understand that there might be kind of some weirdness when like you get, if you were to get married again and you picture. So I understand that part. But if your child has a picture of him or her with their dad or with their mom in their bedroom, they, what does that say to them? They're like, it says, I'm supporting the fact that you love that parent and you get to have pictures right. of them. What a great message or a picture book, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. So they get to have a piece of that parent with them wherever they are. Yeah. Wherever they are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but there's a lot of, you know, I would just educate yourself and get help and learn how you can best handle those situations because everyone has a different story. And sometimes some of them are not good. And sometimes there's, there is dangerous situations and there's bad things with kids. So it's okay to set those boundaries for yourself and your own mental health (laughs) in respect to your children in custody. It is. And like I made the example of going to the door and knocking the door. Well, I'm going to tell you, there are some situations where I would say that maybe not safe. You know, if you're in a a domestic violence situation or you had to get a protective order and there's fear, well, having the other parent come to your door is not the right situation for you. So I only say 
this for people who have the safe other parent that just more just anger we're getting divorced not the other circumstance so you have to protect yourself and your children for sure but even when you have an abusive spouse or a spouse on drugs or a spouse who's made horrible mistakes and maybe is not safe you can still not badmouth them you right. can still tell your child that they still love you parents make mistakes and mm-hmm. they'll get better and they still love you so you can still do those little things to help your child through it even once mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, hard conversations, right? You, I do not know how you do this all day, every day, <laughs> because it is a very emotionally taxing job. But thank God for, that there are such workers like you who are willing to help step in and help to resolve these disputes and, and really help parents to facilitate better processes for their children as they go through custody. I love that you're coaching parents in this, this realm, because God, it makes such a big difference. I, I mean, we didn't even, coaching wasn't a big thing back then, but you absolutely were a coach for me during several circumstances. (laughs) Yeah. Well, just sometimes it's like, you know, I have a rule with some of my clients before you send the text, write it out and send me a copy of it. So I can, (laughs) (laughs) because our emotions are so high and we're angry and we may look at something and go, well, I'm going to be a little firm, but you know, and then I get it and say, oh, no, we're going to delete these three words that we can't say. And we're going to respond a little bit more. And so I help them just learn how to communicate because we don't, we don't know that. I mean, imagine who would ever think that you would have to co-parent so many years with someone that you either have been so hurt by, or you're so angry with, you know, what a horrible situation. It's really hard. Like, I don't think parents understand how hard it is to co-parent with someone like that with all that damage and emotionally how draining it is to have to deal with that, you know, all the time. Right. Well, and I I just don't know that we all have coping skills for the amount of trauma that we experience in this life. Right. And then how do we protect our children then for that and help them to be more resilient and have the skills to manage their emotions? I mean, I feel like it's been very challenging, but I'll tell you now, you know, my one and only that I had in my first marriage, he is 17 now. And I'm so proud whenever he's able to say, Hey, I think I need to talk to somebody. You know, I'm feeling sad or he, he has the emotional wherewithal now, even though I've made a lot of mistakes along the way (laughs) to say when I need to see a counselor to, to, to be that in tune with his emotions. And I really appreciate that now yeah. on the, on the back end. And he is, you know, a, a thriving young man. Yeah. yeah. So I will encourage parents. We all make mistakes. It doesn't matter whether you're divorced or not. I make parenting mistakes all the time. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm not here to say that, you know, those mistakes can't be fixed. I think we need to be real and it's okay to look at your kid and say, you know, I'm really sorry that mommy got so angry and yelled or mommy said, something bad about dad, or I didn't handle this the right situation. It's okay. You know, yeah. I think what we teach our kids is that we all learn there is nobody's prepared for divorce. No one's prepared for that loss. And so it's okay to say, I've made some mistakes. How can I fix this? And then you yeah. work on it. And I mean, what a great example you are for your kid when you're willing to say, I want to do what's best and I got to learn and willing to admit your mistakes, you know, for any parent, really. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Because none of us are going to get it perfect. 
(laughs) And there's perfection is overrated people. (laughs) And that's why I tell you use resources, whether it's, you know, books or friends or ask someone, ask your attorney, you know, if you're getting divorced, you know, can I find a good counselor to help me educate me on how to handle this? What can I do with my kids? You know, read stuff. There's so many, there's co-parenting classes online. There's, I mean, there's, there's just tons of resources. And so if you educate yourself, I guarantee you'll learn so much and it's little things, little things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that our children reflect back to us so much and really push us to grow. <laughs> and my attorney, whenever we finished our custody battle in the 18 month long divorce process, she gave me the book joint custody with a jerk. And I was like, boy, I needed this 12 months ago <laughs> when I was trying to figure this out. Yeah. Absolutely. But see, that helped you, you know, even later just to kind of realize. Yeah. Because it wasn't the last time I went through it. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. There is, there's so many different good books that whatever the situation it is that you have, I guarantee you'll find resources. And there's so many cute little kids books. I have a couple of friends and um, I have a one friend in Dallas who wrote these little picture books, you know, for kids about divorce, you know, that using dogs. And there's so many little things you can read to your kids when they're young to help them understand, you know, we both love you, but why are we in different houses now? And your kids are going to make it through it. It's not, most kids are pretty resilient and they do okay. Good to make sure that you try to do your best. During that time. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that all what we're all trying to do through this life? <laughs> yeah, there's so many sad stories of kids who talk about feeling like they live out of suitcases because of the custody schedules that they have or how every time at six o'clock when mom and dad are exchanged, you know, having exchanged them, how they had this immediate fear because they knew a fight was going to break out because mom and dad always fight when they're together. Right. And this really things that these kids grow up with this anxiety all the time. It's really sad. And so that's yeah. what I would encourage you to try to work through and eliminate as best you can. <laughs> mm, okay. Yes. That brings up a lot of, a lot of emotions from my past. And yeah, I can absolutely see that. Um, yeah. Eliminating those interactions was actually what was, was best um, for us yes. in that scenario, because that one week on one week off and those interactions were very challenging. Yeah. They are. And then that's where you find what, what can I do to make this less? You know, who can I have to go with me? Who can help go pick up the child? How can we eliminate conflict as best we can? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the the number one thing is making sure kids know they're loved by both parents, not bad mouthing and just making sure we minimize conflict as best we can keep, keep as much as you can. And you know, a lot of parents that say, well, you know, they talk on the phone with all their friends while they're driving around, right? Yes. Oh, my kid's not listening. He's on his iPad. He has his headphones on. He's watching a movie. And they're over there just talking to their friend about, oh, he's such a jerk. He cheated and, and his new whore and da 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 And they're just going on and on. All these whole things. And these little kids, they think, aren't listening. And then when I talk to the kids, they're like, oh, yeah, I hear all the stuff my mom says, you know. And, and so to be really careful where and when you talk about it, because kids are so perceptive. Parents swear to me all the time their kid knows nothing. And then when I meet the kids, they tell me everything. <laughs> so true. Even my eight-year-old right now, he and you think he doesn't listen to a thing you say the minute my husband and I start whispering. <laughs> he hears everything. It's like he just like tunes it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, brand new baby infants can sense like tension with a mom. Yes. Like we've talked about yeah. that. Like 
and you're breastfeeding and just all these little things where they can sense yes. mom's not connecting, they can sense that conflict and that anxiety, no yeah. matter, even if they can't talk yet. So what we, I say is the best thing we can do is eliminate anxiety and stress for kids. There's mm-hmm. not just psychological reasons, there's physical reasons when they live in that heightened state of constant stress and anxiety. There's so many things right. that can happen. So we want to do everything we can to make kids feel calm right. and loved and protected and safe, you know, and that's what we focus right. on as best we can. So anyway. <laughs> Great tips. Great tips as always. Thank you, Tammy, for joining me today to talk about these hard topics. I think this is your expertise and I know that it will be impactful and help other women who are going through custody situations. And I would love to list the resources that you mentioned, the books that you mentioned. So I'll put those in show notes so that um, they can easily find those. Will do. Ladies, until next week, be well. All right, Sky community, thank you for listening to another episode. This episode was sponsored by Sky Women's Health. As a reminder, we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and we help relieve back pain and pelvic pain in pregnancy and beyond. If you are pregnant and having pain and you feel like you have no reliable way to relieve it, look us up at skywomenshealth.com, request an appointment, and we'll call to get you scheduled. As a board-certified OB-GYN with a Neuromusculoskeletal Medicine Fellowship, I help you realign with hands-on drug-free treatment and relieve pain on the spot without medication. We'll help you maintain these results through your pregnancy and postpartum period. Every pregnant person deserves this, and we are so excited to serve you. You can find us on our website, as mentioned, or on social at Sky Women's Health, or you can call the office at 817-915-9803. That's it for today. Until next week, be well.